You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Babylon Project was our last best hope for peace. Well, we're in it now. It failed. In the last few hours, we have learned that warships are coming this way from Earth. Their orders are to seize command of Babylon 5 by force. But in the year of the Shadow War, it became something greater. Our last best hope for victory. My words are inadequate to the burden of my heart. The year is 2260. The place, Babylon 5. And assuming we survive this, how old will you be in a year if you don't want to speak Mimbari? It's like I've always said, you can get more with a kind word and a two before than you can with just a kind word. Please, continue. Only one human can ever survived battle with the Minbari fleet. He is behind me. You are in front of me. You value your lives. Be somewhere else. Hello and welcome to the Epsilon 3, a Babylon 5 rewatch podcast. Each week we review an episode of the 1990s sci-fi TV classic Babylon 5. This week, Season 3, Episode 16, War Without End, Part 1. I'm Paul. I'm Dan. I'm Sean. And, and we, we are, are the Epsilon 3. And the synopsis. Jeffrey Sinclair returns with a mission vital to the survival of, of the station. Travelling back in time to steal Babylon 4. Written by JMS and directed by Mike Vijar, this episode was released on May the 13th, 1996. And takes place, wait for it, from August the 9th to August the 12th, 2260. In 2254, and on December the 24th, 2278. Yes, it's going to be one of those episodes. And the guest stars. Uh, Tim Choate as Zathras. Uh, I found something out about him as well. He's mostly known for stage performances. Uh, he didn't do much on, on TV. Uh, sadly, died in a motorbike accident in 2004, aged 50. Yeah, he wasn't very old at all. No, he uh-huh. wasn't. Oh, that's really sad. Uh, Time Winters as Rathen. Michael O'Hare as Ambassador Jeffrey Sinclair. Kevin Fry as Centauri Guard. And Eric Zivot as Sprague. Uncredited are Bill Blair as Alien, Ardright Chamberlain as the voice of Orkesh, and Layla Huff as Naron or Cadet. Right. Sean, what did we think of this episode? Uh, should I blow my load at the beginning and say I just absolutely <laughs> friggin' loved it, or uh, should I be more subtle? I, I think um, everybody should be aware that this is probably going to be one of our longer uh, episodes because we love this episode. So yeah, go for it. Yeah, I, I love this episode. It it ties the first three seasons together. It brings back Michael O'Hare. Uh, it, it's It's got the time travel element, which I love. It's got the flash forwards and the flashbacks, and it's got Zathras. <laughs> Zathras is my favorite. Other than Jakar, it's it's got to be Zathras, not Zathras, but Zathras. 
Yes. And we get a hint of multiple Zathras as well. Is that is it Zathras? Mm. Zathrai? Zathras is? That's a good uh, question. Is, is that, well, multiple Zathras. Multiple yeah. Zathras. And, and, Zathrasium? And... Zathrasium. Now, obviously, we watched episodes one and two. Are, are we doing the... We, we are doing them separately, yes. We so, are doing them separately. Uh, yeah. Although so, we probably will sort of intermingle them because they do sort of intermingle. Yeah, so it, it's hard to say. But uh, it's, wow, it's just amazing. And I just can't say enough good stuff about it. Love it. Dan? Oh, speak for yourselves, guys. It's terrible. It's worse than TKO. It's awful. <laughs> Especially because we were left out of the credits because obviously they didn't put our scene in where we're down in the bottom of Epsilon 3 on those uh, little bikes that we were pedaling for ages trying to get all the power going. Um, it's just, you know, left off, not paid for our work. Just terrible. All, Zathras gets all the credit and we're down there pedaling for the machine. Droll doesn't even get a scene as well. So there we go. Um, no, of course. Now, of course, I love this episode. It is fantastic. Um, didn't quite remember every single scene. Like It's not one of those ones that's completely stuck in the brain. There are bits and pieces that kind of come back from the very first watch back in the 90s. But yeah, I mean, everything is paid off. It is a.k.a. the payoff episode because everything, even the jump forwards in time, yeah. it's all good. It's what we've been waiting for. Work. It's time travel. You know, I love my time travel, so it's always good. Well, it's uh, it's kind of like your Temporal Trek podcast. God, I did think, you know, what if I actually watched this in the right order? What if I ever did a Babylon 5 in a chronological way? You'd have to do this episode first. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I mean, you know how I like a time travel story, and I I like writing a time travel, trying the time travel story. It's uh, it it's so well written, it's so well thought out, and, and um, so well edited and, and put together, and the forethought that's gone into it as well. I mean, this is right in the middle of the of you know the whole run of, of Babylon Five, the whole five mm-hmm. series, and like you say, the se- the scenes in the first season that are now coming into play in this one. It's mind so blowing the it's way incredible. he the, the way he designed it to to have stuff that we wouldn't see for years to come. And still more years to come with the whole Londo in the future scene. Like, was that yes. this episode or last episode? I don't know. But uh, mm. holy crap, it's just... It, wow. it is. It is amazing. So let's uh, get into this, uh, what is going to be a long review, because uh, you can't miss bits out. <laughs> so we start the episode on the Mimbar homeworld. It's our first proper look at Mimbar. Mm. It, looks, it looks to be set in the base of Niagara Falls. <laughs> it's just like this big building with a horseshoe f- falls behind it. A cloaked uh, figure called Entilzar is walking through the corridors of the Great Hallway when he is chased down by, a mim- by a- another Mimbari. He is holding a chest, which has been sealed for 900 years and has just been opened in accordance with instructions from the ancient books. It contains a letter simply addressed to Geoffrey David Sinclair. The figure pulls back his hood to reveal... Jeffrey David Sinclair, former captain of Babylon 5. I really wanted the letter to say Marty McFly as well, just because this is Back to the Future, isn't it? Like, <laughs> totally the guy is. turns up on the road in the rain, pulls his hood back. Are you Marty McFly? Yeah. Just open the chest. There's a letter there saying, where we're going, we don't need roads. <laughs> <laughs> back on Babylon 5, First Lieutenant Colwyn cannot identify a distress call. It's not coming from a ship or from a physical location, just an area. Sector 14. Sector 14? Sector 14. Nothing happens at Sector 14. 
<laughs> the very same place that Babylon 4 disappeared. They play the signal, and the voice on the call is from Susan Ivanova. And she sounds like she's in the battle. And they are killing us! On the Mimbari homeworld, Sinclair is, is disturbed by the letter. His ship has been prepared and is ready to go. As he leaves his closest friend on Mimmar, who he who believes he will not see him again, a Volon appears and says, He is the closed circle. He is returning to the beginning. That's to the beginning of what? The Volon, Volon does not reply. Very mysterious. And then just wa- then he walks just walks off, off or well, <laughs> glides off. And the Mimbari is like, are you going to finish that sentence? <laughs> Hello, over here. Uh, Sheridan, Ivanova and Garibaldi are listening to the recording of the distress call. Ivanova says it is, it is not her as she has never sent out a call. And Garibaldi hits the nail on the head saying it, it comes from sec- Sector 14 and time does not work right in there. He says the signal could be coming from the future uh, at the time of the fall of Babylon 5. Sheridan allows him to make the uh, th- three-hour ship, ship? Three trip to Sector 14. Zach Allen is processing the latest arrival, arrivals to Babylon 5 when he spots Ambassador Sinclair. He asks him how long he'll be staying, which is a far more interesting question than you might expect. An answer would have been better, but you know, we'll leave it at that. Garibaldi you, you notice after he processes Sinclair, he just lets the other ones go through without yes. looking at their cards. I did see that. He, to be fair to him, I, I saw that and I thought, I've got to write that down. And then when I watched it on the second time, he actually lets one go through before he gets to Sinclair. Then he processes Sinclair as well. Uh, he's already done a couple. Let's one through, then does them. And then he says, and then he's just like so distracted. He's going, yeah, go through. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> it's I'll the end moment. The terrorist goes through with like the things. Then the Centauri comes through. He's got tons of daggers coming out of him. Oh, I'm dying. <laughs> yeah. That was, yeah. Malari and Jakarta, each other's throats. <laughs> Oh, get on. Come on. Get been on. at it for years. Come on. Garibaldi is preparing to leave for Sector 14 in his star fury. He promises to bring back the lottery numbers from the future for Ivanova. Yeah, of course, you know, do you want me to bring you something back? You know, things. Yeah, bring me the lottery numbers, for God's sake. It's good to know that <laughs> even Ivanova's not highly paid enough, you know, that she still wants you know, some sort of money in retirement. Yeah. Delaine is sitting in her quarters in the dark when Lanier arrives. She knows that Sinclair is here. She has sensed something. Presence I've not felt since. Um, she is grey and stands between the candle and the stars. Whatever that is supposed to mean. But he is her friend and what happens next must be done or the dream will die and countless others will die with it. She's getting worse than the Vorlons. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Mind you, that's why the Vorlons are on the homeworld, aren't they? That's no wonder they're all talking like them. Delenn enters the war room and tells Sheridan and Marcus to pack the bags and come with her to the White Star with one other. Enter Sinclair, who introduces himself to Sheridan, who hasn't seen him since the Mars riots. Marcus welcomes Entelzar, and after some mutual admiration, Garibaldi calls in with the news that the temporal rift is twice as long as before. Well, twice as long? What, like 20 minutes? 30 minutes? A couple of light years? What are we talking about here? It is being caused by a tachyon beam fired into the centre of the rift, which is coming from us here at the Epsilon 3. So come on, guys, which one of you set off the tachyon beam? It was me. You were just trying to create an opening for for another promo. (laughs) I was. That's what I do. Like this promo here. 
Howdy! Listen up, I am talking! Now, the question of the hour is, who's got a Doctor Who podcast? Answer, we do. Next question, who's listening to it? Answer, you are. If you're sitting up there in your silly little spaceship and you've got any plans to listen to a Doctor Who podcast, just remember who's standing in your way. And then... Do the smart thing. Listen to Earth Station Who right here on the ESO That was the Earth Station Who, another time traveling uh, podcast. Very, very apt in the in these uh, couple of episodes we're doing there. Zathras is in the planet. You see, just as Zathras said, not good. Definitely not good. We must tell Draz. No. He's taking all of Drawl's concentration to control Great Machine. If we distract, very bad. Disrupt time field. Everyone dies. Drawl told Zathras what to do. So Zathras will do. Or much, much die. Very hard to follow him sometimes. A little bit. <laughs> Sheridan wants to know why they are going to Sector 14, and Ranger 1 is being very cryptic. More like a Vorlon than a human ambassador to Minbar. Captain, if I were you, I'd quit while I was ahead. Back on Minbar, there was a saying among the other Rangers, the only way to get a straight answer out of Ranger 1 was to look at every reply in a mirror while hanging upside down from the ceiling. Did it work? Oddly enough, yes. Or after a while you passed out and had a vision. Either way, the result was pretty much the same. I was kind of hoping uh, they were back in the shuttle that, um, you know, uh, Sinclair was going to turn around and say, you're not going to talk about zipping up and buttoning up, are you? <laughs> yes. Like, and then Sheridan's like, what? what? And yeah. like, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> it's okay. Dylan shows Marcus, Ivanova, Sinclair and Sheridan a clip from the, the last great war with the shadows 1000 years ago. Hi, I'm Delenn, and welcome to my TED Talk. It was just a PowerPoint presentation. That's all it was, pretty much. It was good. It was actually a good scene because it, I, I don't know how if they've superimposed it on the back or they projected the, the the actual thing. Because when you see a close up of her, this, the film's going off in the background, and you can see it quite clearly. That takes a bit of green screen doing, and to mm-hmm. you know, to get that sorted out, even uh, sort of back in those days, was quite good. And and very few records survived from a thousand years ago from the war. But we happen to have these very important clips right here, so this will explain everything. Exactly. Yeah, we can't even keep a like a, a video clip on your hard drive without wiping it off accidentally. A thousand years, you got no chance. And who's still got a flipping DVD player in a thousand years' time? For goodness' sake, I would. We've got these records back from a thousand years ago. Anybody got a Betamax? Huh? <laughs> Uh, the Minbar's greatest star base has been destroyed by the shadows and they are doomed, doomed to lose the war. Then replacements suddenly arrived. Babylon 4. And it helped them win the war. But they don't know who sent it back in time uh, uh, to help. When Babylon 4 was completed six years ago, the shadows recognised it and sent ships to destroy it. They were prevented from doing this by the White Star. It is up to them uh, now to go back in time and prevent the uh, shadow attack and take Babylon 4 back in time to defeat the shadows in the war a thousand years ago and save Babylon 5's destruction. My head hurts with all this time travel. Time travel. 
Since my first day on the job as a Starfleet captain, I swore I'd never let myself get caught in one of these godforsaken paradoxes. The future is the past. The past is the future. It all gives me a headache. Right. If we don't save Babylon 4 and put it back into the past, Babylon 5 will be destroyed like we see in the visions. Yes. But but you notice when, when uh, Garibaldi records Ivanova's uh, distress call, she says, Earth Alliance Station Babylon 5? Isn't it independent yeah. now? Um, yeah, but when it was destroyed, that'll be a few years in the future, won't it? So it may well have changed back again. But yes, I will bring it up for the trip. She, yeah. was, she was wearing the, the yeah. current uniform, so... Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is where it gets interesting. Uh, the ship is fo- a ship is following the White Star with supplies and is allowed to dock. Enter Zathras, looking for the one. He is honoured to meet Sinclair for many reasons. Honoured to meet Sheridan for other reasons. Don't know why. The White Star <laughs> and her crew enter the rift. When they exit, they find the shadow ships uh, three kilometres uh, from Babylon 4. They engage the ships, and Sheridan's time stable is damaged by the blast from the destruction of the Shadow's bomb, and he becomes unstuck from time. Sinclair takes control of the ship to complete the mission. Meanwhile, Sheridan wakes up to find himself with his hands tied behind his back. He's pulled to the feet, pulled to his feet by three guards wearing strange hats, and comes with fa- comes face to face with Emperor Malari, a rather older-looking Malari. Who tells him he is just ar- he's arrived just in time to die? Malari is not happy with Sheridan for winning the war and allowing the Shadows to return to Centauri Prime and exacting revenge for their loss. The White Star docks with Babylon 4 and they split up with Sinclair asking Delenn, Ready? And Delenn responds, Why do your people always ask if someone is ready right before you're going to do something massively unwise? Tradition. So, there you go. Trivia. Executive producer JMS forced Michael O'Hare and Bruce Boxleitner to spend as much time together as possible, even even making them share the same table during lunch, so that the characters exuded a believable friendship while on camera. Well, that could have backfired, couldn't it, if they didn't get on? (laughs) (laughs) He stole my hash browns, the bastard. (laughs) Yes. First he takes my station and my job. (laughs) Yes. Here I was trying to eat my uh, my spoo, and next minute he swapped it around for pasta. <laughs> uh, according to Babylon 5 canon, the scar on uh, Sinclair's cheek was the result of a covert operation carried out while he was in charge of the Rangers. According to the Babylon 5 novel, To Dream in the City of Sorrows, Sheridan saved Sinclair from a mob, a mob during the Mars riots. Uh, the two later hid out in a bar where they got to know each other and became friends. Sher- uh, Captain Sheridan remarks he hasn't seen Sinclair since the Mars riots. While this is in keeping with Babylon 5 car- uh, canon, Sheridan, as captain of the Agamemnon, was part of the presidential escort when Babylon 5 was commissioned in 2257, and Sinclair was in command of the station. But Sheridan never left his ship, and he and Sinclair did not meet face to face. According to the Babylon 5 novel, To Dream of the- in the City of Sorrows, Sinclair... F- First met Sheridan at the Earth Force Academy. Sinclair was a pleb, first year student, and Sheridan was an upperclassman. Sounds like they met a few times then. Hmm. Tim Choate's, now this one I don't believe, uh, Tim Choate's portrayal of Zathras uh, is a highlight of every episode that features his character. Well, I believe that bit. Uh, near the end of part one, Sinclair asks him if he is capable of transporting all the necessary equipment to the reactor core himself. 
He says, yes, Zathras is used to being beast of burden to other people's needs. Very sad life. Probably had very sad death, but at least there's symmetry. During the delivery of these lines, Mira Ferlan Delen turns her head to look at Sinclair, then back to Zathras, then down, and finally back to Sinclair, in a barely controlled effort to keep from laughing. Now, I watched that the second time just before we recorded this episode. No. There's no evidence that she is laughing, not even smiling. So, no, I don't uh, get Hmm. that one at all. Maybe in the first take. Maybe it was the second take. Maybe. Maybe there was another take that we didn't see, but yeah, I'd have to watch. I'd have to try and find Mm. some outtakes. Mm. Uh, This story was originally intended to be the series finale, but with Michael O'Hare's departure from the show and rapidly deteriorating mental health, it was moved up. Problem with the temporal stabilizer leading to Sinclair's rapid aging was introduced to explain Sinclair's aged appearance in Babylon 5, uh, Babylon Squared. 1994, as this story was planned to be set 20 years after the end of the show. Right. Mm. I was, that's what I, I was confused with when he came back and he said, oh, I've got all this grey hair. And I thought, why? You you don't look that old. And then it, it sort of passed me by. And it's only when I read that I realised, yes, of course, they in the Babylon Squared, he did come back looking a lot older. Mm. Um, so that explains that then. Uh, at the scene change from where Garibaldi says the tachyon field is coming from Epsilon 3 to where Zathras is looking into what seems to be the field generator or whatever, there is a brief shot of Babylon 5 next to the planet. The station is rotating in the wrong direction, indicating that the scene was probably a reverse playback of a scene originally made to go the other way. Yeah, I didn't spot that. And I saw that mm. twice. I, I didn't or, see it. or it's the time travel sending it backwards, so it's rotating <laughs> backwards. Yeah, I don't know. Could be. In Ivanova's message uh, from the possible future, she identifies Earth Alliance Station, Babylon 5. Babylon 5 is not part of the Earth Alliance anymore, and in the video footage she is wearing her Army of Light uniform, so that it has not changed in that future. Yeah, as you said, Sean. Mm. So, Sean, are there any Star Star Trek connections? Uh, There's a couple. Uh, Nothing too exciting this week, but we've got Kevin Fry, who played the Centauri Guard. He was in a couple of uh, Star Trek fan films, Renegades and Continues. Uh, And then the guy named Time Winters, which is a great name, who played uh, Rathen. He was uh, Sinclair's friend at the beginning who gave him the box. Uh, He was Glendaro in Star Trek The Next Generation's episode, The Wounded. Ooh. Now, I have a bit of um, connections to those two. They are now both playing in The Rookie with Nathan Fillion. Uh Uh-huh. So there you go. Which is something I was thinking of watching, and then I realized that these guys were both in it. So Now you don't have to, because you've already seen them. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Moving on to the ratings. IMDb... What do you reckon, guys? IMDb. What do you think they're going to give this out of ten? Uh, Got to be in the I, nines. Yeah, IMDb. Let, let's give it a nine point four. Mm. Yeah, nine point two. Ah, mm. which uh, does equate uh, to a four point six. Uh, we give our uh, ratings obviously out of five, so four point six is, is pretty good. Uh, it puts it into their top ten episodes. Um, quick scan through shows me that their favourite episode so far has been Severed Dreams, which we all gave quite high scores for, and I believe mm-hmm. is Sean's favourite so far. Sean, what do you uh, what rating would you give this uh, episode then? 
Well, I have to say it's uh, the culmination of everything we've been working towards. Uh, it brings back Sinclair. Uh, we get to see Zathras, like I said at the beginning. Uh, it's it's just great. I give it a five. Ooh, okay. Dan. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, of course, I love this episode. We all love this episode. It is a fantastic way of ending off some of the stories and then continuing the shadow war uh but also making sure that the shadow war is happening the way they want it to um there was a feeling and something that came up in the trevor trivia as well that this was supposed to be the end episode for the entire run of babylon 5 it felt like it was the end episode as well like it came across as something slightly different to all the things that have come before, even though it's filled with all the Babylon five moments and all of the, Oh, I remember that scene from that episode. And that's why this makes sense. This, it kind of felt like the gang were going off for a little journey, like the Scooby gang were coming together, getting in the van and going off to solve a mystery. And we haven't really had that before. Like whenever something happens on the station, like two characters will go off and have their moment, like Garibaldi and Marcus might be going off one way. And then like Ivanova will have her story and then Sheridan's got something else going on. We haven't really had a group coming together and going off onto a mission before. And it felt different to what Babylon 5 normally does, even though it's it's entirely a Babylon 5 episode. It could not be any other franchise. It's not they're aping on some genre thing and, you know, oh, you could see a Star Trek version of that. You could see a Doctor Who version of that. It, it has to be Babylon 5, but it isn't Babylon 5. And it's really strange feeling I got from the episode. So as much as I love it, and there are fantastic things, I don't know whether I could go for a 5 for it. Because it didn't feel like Babylon 5 for me. But it's so close, so I'm going to go 4.99. Whoa. And you know what else I just realized? The doctor wasn't in either episode this week <laughs> or next week. That's very true. That, very that, true. That, but he's on I, walkabout. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah can I give it a 5.5? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dan. So, you, you've actually given um, a couple of episodes of five Sign Importance mm. and uh, Long Twilight Struggle. And mm. you reckon that this is not quite as good as them? I think because it is also part one of part two right so we have it, it it doesn't finish its own story which is a bit of a beef for me even though i love all those episodes just as much as this episode because it feels weird because it feels different and because we haven't finished the story it, it can't be perfect and i right. think that's the only reason i'm going to go 4.99 okay so uh the so for me uh my favorite episode up to this point was the geometry of shadows with a 4.88 um and just like you guys were saying, um, this is such a fantastic episode. Really good. It is tying up all the, you know, in this one and the next one that we obviously will talk about next week. Um, it's tying up a lot of the storylines and, you know, starting off the um, the whole process of going back in time, going forward in time, moving around in time, Um even though it's all set in the future. So it's, mm -hmm. uh, it is very, um, you've really got to, Keep your eyes open and watch watch what's going on over the ne over the next this episode next episode. Uh, yeah, I absolutely uh, lo loved it. So up to this point, I would say this is my favorite episode. I'm going to give it a nine point nine, and mm. I will um, nine point nine, which is four point nine five. Uh, I should say. Um, so we'll wait to see what happens in the next episode. Uh, as to what ratings we give this, because I, I thought, can I give this a five? Can I give this maximum? 
why can't I give this a maximum? I didn't start this by saying we start with a two and a half and where does it go? Oh, there's some good bits, there's some bad bits. And uh, this started out as, oh my goodness, this is a five. And then what knocks it down slightly? And watching it for the second time, it it, it didn't seem to have that magic at law because I, I although I'd seen this before, I couldn't really remember it. And there's only a couple of bits I do remember, um, which is unusual because I, you know, it, it, sorry, which is not unusual because I, I normally don't remember the whole thing. Um, and the first time I watched it, I reviewed it at the same time. I was you know, writing out my review of it, and I really enjoyed it. But then the second time I thought, oh, this is not quite as good as I thought the first time around. So I just knocked it down a little bit, just in case anything in the future comes along and uh, gets, mm-hmm. gets better. Give, give myself a little bit of wiggle room. Um, so, yeah, so 4.95 for me. Very good. Right. So that's the end of this episode. Join us again next week when we we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 17, War Without End, Part 2. Will there be a War Without End, Part 3, 4, 5? Because the war doesn't end. <laughs> the never-ending story all over again. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes. Zathras is used to being beast of burden to other people's needs. Very sad life. Probably have very sad death. But at least there is symmetry. Go, go, Zathras, take care. If you have any thoughts on this episode, why not send in some feedback to the epsilon3 at gmail.com. That's three spelled T-H-R-E-E, not the number. Or you can find us on our Facebook page. Just search for the Epsilon 3. Now, if you have any other problems, any other questions at all, just ask This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.